The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com writing excuses season 16 episode 52 this is writing excuses structure is a promise 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry and we're not that smart i'm howard i'm kayla i'm sandra and i'm meg and i'm here to tell you that whatever structure you've picked for the thing you're working on is making a promise that you may not know you've made. For instance, if you're using the hero's journey, you may have promised people that the nice mentor character who is helping your hero is totally going to die. And if you haven't decided that they're going to die, you, your audience may actually be disappointed when your Gandalf or your Yoda survives all the way into Act 3. We're going to talk about how the various structures we use set expectations for audiences and make promises. And, and often these are, these are cases of audience bias where we have no control of what people are expecting when they pick up uh, what we've what we've made. Yeah. I, I kind of have a fun, fun story about this. Um, when I was younger, I, I watched spirited away for the first time and I I'd watched a few Ghibli movies, but I wasn't really much into anime. And so I was really unfamiliar with non-Western story structures. And, and so I started watching spirited away and it was this delightful, charming thing, but I got about a third of the way into it. And I started feeling this underlying anxiety about where is this story going? I don't like, we just keep like, ah, uh, and it actually interfered with my ability to enjoy the movie at all because I, my story brain was expecting three act structure with peaks and climaxes and, you know, pinch points and all of these things. And instead Spirited Away is a much more kind of a Kisho Tenketsu, which is long, slow buildup, world-changing event, and then, you know, uh, resolution. And, um, and because I, as an audience member, had no idea that that structure even existed, it was so hard for me to engage with the story that was on the screen because my brain was like, 
what even is happening here? And that is, that is to me a beautiful example of the way that the structure creates a promise. And because I, as an audience brought an expectation with me that the story didn't deliver on, I have since rewatched it multiple times and I love it for exactly what it is mm-hmm. now that I know where it's going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and something you find in a lot of, especially Hayao Miyazaki's films, is that sort of exploration of the world before we get to what you're saying with the structure-wise, because he does not start with a screenplay. Hayao Miyazaki mm-hmm. storyboards his whole movie. Um, I'm not going to say like freeform stream of conscious, but he'll just start with the images of a scene and he'll build just right in a row the whole film before he turns it over to the animators. Oh, that's a fascinating process. Mm-hmm. You can buy books of his storyboards and you can see his hand drawings of the entire film. He does it all himself. It's incredible. And well, sadly, we are recording this uh, too close to Christmas for me to say that's what y'all should get me for Christmas <laughs> and have it actually arrive. Um, I think that the, the story structure uh, underpinning a lot of uh, Hayao Miyazaki is uh, Kisho Tenketsu, which is a mm-hmm. four-part structure that uh, that we haven't talked about much in writing excuses. We talk a little bit about it in, in Extreme Dungeon Mastery, um, but it wasn't until I looked at that story structure that uh, some of the Miyazaki films actually made sense. I was like, oh, this is why this happens here instead of happening here because my expectations were wrong. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about some other structures. What are some other structures that make promises and what are those promises? Uh, I love hour-long police procedurals, Mm, uh, detective procedurals, murder mysteries. Uh, I've, like, in any language, any, like, country, I love watching hour-long procedurals. And one of the things that that usually promises... you You mean, like, 47 minutes? Yeah, 47 minutes with breaks for commercials because those commercial or act breaks are an important part of the structure. That cliffhanger, you'll get uh, three act breaks in where you're like, oh, there's another body. What are we going to do now? <laughs> Everybody <laughs> there. <laughs> um, and one of the frustrations I had with watching the BBC Sherlock is... That show is all about, of course, what a genius Sherlock is. And so it didn't drop the audience clues the way most procedurals would. Sherlock just knows the answer or he's paid someone off screen to do the research for him instead of somebody dropping a line early on about, oh, yeah, diatomaceous earth. It's used for tropical fish and it's used for this and it's used for this and the murder tool has diatomaceous earth on it and then somebody in act three casually mentions i love my tropical fish and if you're paying attention you're like that's the murderer (laughs) um because i'm someone who likes to to guess along Mm -hmm. with and so shows that break that storytelling or telling a different kind of story like bbc sherlock it's very hard to guess what happens next because it's not relying on the structure I was expecting going in. Yeah, I, I would say the BBC Sherlock is not actually a procedural in any way, which is a surprise mm-hmm. for a Sherlock show. Yeah. You yeah. know. Now, but, this actually kind of steps across the line from structure 
to genre because, and that's okay, but police procedural is its own kind of genre that comes with an embedded structure. And it's weird to me that Sherlock failed to adhere to that because Sir Arthur Conan Doyle invented (laughs) the police procedural with the Sherlock Holmes books. And we circled back around and BBC said, we don't want to do police procedural. We want to do Sherlock Holmes, who is also Doctor Who and Merlin. Yeah. <laughs> that's But that's me whining. Kayla, you had something you wanted to... Uh, yeah, so I guess the the third the three act structure is probably my bread and butter as a writer. Like that's that's how I do. And the hero's journey; those are like two of my favorites. I guess I like that the hero's journey is um is just something that you do find embedded in all mythology. And mythology is my that's my that's my house, man. Mythology, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I love the way it speaks universally, but also the way it gives you a pretty strong structure for character growth. And like that's the number one thing for me, and in stories as well, is uh, character growth in the hero's journey is just mm, so good. Uh, that's why I think that when I watch a a show that's kind of promising a hero's journey structure and then they don't really grow, I get frustrated. I'm like, uh, that was kind of the whole point is that you change, but you didn't. And, uh, now I feel a little bit cheated. Can I have my refund for this Netflix? (laughs) 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 Oh, Hey writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. 
I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. <laughs> um, so, book of the week, and I'm going to, I'm going to pitch to you Aragon by Christopher Paolini, because this is a book which unapologetically um, draws from the three-act, or not the three-act, the the hero's journey structure as deployed by (laughs) Tolkien and George Lucas, uh, to the point that a friend of mine was uh, uh, reading, I think, book two, and uh, and his his friend was reading book one, and his friend picked up, you know, was looked up from his room and says, "Hey, have they met Yoda yet? What do you mean have they <laughs> met Yoda yet?" As well, because I because these these were guys who were super familiar with the form, and I'm not knocking Christopher Paolini. Uh, he was incredibly successful by delivering a hero's journey, which telegraphed the fact that it was a hero's journey and made it super approachable for audiences. Um, so, uh, Aragon, the book. Yeah. <laughs> I've been told that the movie is not something we speak of in our house. Um, <laughs> uh, what movie? Uh, <laughs> Aragon, the book by Christopher Paolini. Um, to me, let's talk what, about, let's talk about some other structures. Tanner, well, you what I was going to say is that, uh, Taking this back to to the whole idea of, of what can we as writers do, you know, it's important to be aware that the structure you pick is going to create an expectation for the story you're creating. And, and that means that when you are pulling back and looking at the craft and looking at, you know, you have a head full of ideas and characters and what have you, um, you need to pay attention to the structure, the framework that you're going to stretch your characters and stories across because that will determine some of the satisfaction of, of the reader when they're done reading your story. Meg had a thing. Meg. Uh, when I was, uh, when I was first reading the Aragon books, um, they actually ended up not being for me because I loved the original star Wars trilogy so much that I felt like the books were too close And so there's that precarious balance of, yeah, I wanted something like Star Wars in a fantasy world, but not this close. And I remember getting really frustrated and not finishing the series because I'm like, well, 
I know everything that's going to happen anyway. So why should I even? Um, so that's something about, uh, and I like to segue a little bit into Save the Cat that I deal with a lot working in the, the animation industry. Um, because you'll have people that be like, okay, make it Save the Cat, but a little bit different. Because now everybody knows it and everybody reads it. And uh, I have some uh, development friends who, when they're reading a script, though it'll actually be marks against you if you hit all the save cat beats on exactly the pages that save the cat recommends you do it in your screenplay <laughs> because it's the feeling that oh this writer is just painting by numbers mm. and they're not telling an emotional authentic story oh that's yeah. fascinating. When you take a structure when you use and we've talked about this in our episodes on uh, you know mice quotient and hero's journey and mm-hmm. uh, Hollywood formula and whatever else um, and I've used this metaphor before um, when you adhere to the formula so closely that every beat is predictable um, it's like people can see the lines in the color by number. You just filled in the little spaces with color. You didn't actually paint over it and make your own picture. It's the difference between canned beans and fresh beans. It's still beans, but if you can taste the can, something's <laughs> gone wrong. Which is interesting. I mean, and, and this, I think we'll get more into this talking about genre, but there are certain uh, audience segments where, I'm sorry, they want to taste the can. Like they showed up for canned beans and they want to taste the can. And, and that's, again, a thing where you're paying attention to your audience. Who are you speaking to? And is this an audience who really wants like to taste the can as they go through their, their media, or are they going to be grouchy because you didn't cook fresh? Hmm. Knowing your audience, I think, is definitely an important part of uh, how you handle your structure. Like, who are you speaking to? Things like that. We'll get more into that, you know, in the next episode Mm -hmm. with genre and media promises, too. And and, it can um, be. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say it can be frustrating as a creator when the person who's in charge of, you know, publishing your book or distributing your film project where you're like, no, listen, fresh beans are so good and they're like ah but the can sells so well yes uh that sometimes it can be hard to break expectations and conventions um and still get a large enough audience that's interested in your niche fresh organic beans (laughs) this is this is a case where um i err on the side of understand the structure first know how the structure works and apply the structure in your writing or your rewriting. And then if your alpha readers or your beta readers say your structure didn't make promises and then keep them, it telegraphed your punches and sucked all the energy out of them. Then you know that it's time to go back in and, and, and overpaint the color by numbers so people can't see the grid. Sandra. Another um, factor to consider, we have, we have three authors here who write for young audiences. And you have to remember that what is old and tired and uber familiar for an older audience is brand new for someone who's 12. 
They've never encountered it before. One of the reasons that Aragon succeeded so well is because, you know, it hit a generation that hadn't grown up with Star Wars. They may or may not have been exposed to Star Wars. But like, for example, my kids just all rejected Star Wars, which meant Aragon was amazing and fresh and they'd never encountered this before. And so our oldest child latched on to Aragon as this brilliant, brilliant thing because it was the first encountering of that hero's journey and it really spoke to her. Um, And so when you are writing for younger children, uh, sometimes you need to teach them what beans are. <laughs> Before we start <laughs> like serious. You are te- you are as writing for young children, you are teaching them the story structures that they will then have in their head as expectations for the rest of your life, which is amazing and scary as a creator. One of the structures that I want to mention here is the mice quotient because mice uh, works so well. It, it's milieu, interrogation, uh, character, and event. This uh, um, structural formula in which you determine what types of sub-stories are being told in your story, uh, you know, based on those elements. And one of the principles of structuring things by mice is that um, it, it's the philo it's the Philo principle, uh, first in, last out. If you open with milieu, then your story ends with milieu. Milieu was first in, milieu is last out. Um, and it's, it's this whole idea of nested, you know, nested parentheses. If you go milieu, idea, character, then it ends character, idea, milieu. And this is something that audiences are not typically conscious of when they're consuming a story that's because those, those things are so blurry by the time you've backed all the way away from it. Um, but if you keep that promise, if you adhere to that structure, it's inherently satisfying and it's subtle. It's something that audiences often don't know has been done to them. And that's one of my favorite things. That's for me, the difference between the fresh beans and the canned beans is that, Hey, I delivered beans And I delivered them fresh and you can't tell that, that I used the recipe off the back of the can or whatever. The metaphor is falling apart. Um, (laughs) It's okay. Metaphors do that. Metaphors do that all especially (laughs) from my lips. Hey, we're, uh, uh, we're 18 minutes in. Um, Kayla, do you have homework for us? I do. Get your pencils ready, everybody. I'll be grading. (laughs) (laughs) No. um, So your homework for today, of course, is to first you want to look up all the things that we talked about today. Mice, the three acts, save the cat, hero's journey, Kisho Tenketsu, all of the good stuff. Um, And then uh, I want you to pick your favorite thing. Like if it's your favorite movie, your favorite novel, your favorite webcomic, whatever it is, sit down with it. Have these structures out in some way. Uh, you know, you can pick one at a time if you want, and watch it all the way through and reverse engineer what it's doing, so you can see how it is hitting it, um, or you can even identify which structure it's using or going off of, at least as a skeleton. Uh, and then for bonus points, you want them bonus points, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Um, go ahead and pick your least favorite thing. <laughs> I recommend it be a short thing, you know, just so you don't have to spend too much time with it. And then look at the structure again, reverse engineer why it's not working. Um, you'll learn a lot by reverse engineering things. And uh, I highly recommend that process. Thank Excellent. you, Kayla. And thank you, Megan and Sandra. Um, we're out of time. This has been Writing Excuses. You are out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production. Your hosts for this episode were Howard Taylor, Kayla Rivera, Sandra Taylor, and Megan Lloyd. This episode was engineered by Marshall Carr Jr. and mastered by Alex Jackson. The liner notes and transcripts for this episode are available at writingexcuses.com. To learn more about us, visit patreon.com slash writingexcuses. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. <laughs>